Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Chicago Bulls GM Mark Eversley is reportedly one of the front runners to land the president of basketball operations position with the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to talk about why that could be the needed shakeup if he does accept the job for that the Chicago Bulls may need to kind of change up what's going on with this franchise. We're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to talk about uh, Andre Drummond and uh, 76ers being close to a trade, but then the Bulls pulling out last minute. And we're going to dive into the mailbag. All that plus more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, there, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this content for today. So, reportedly, Mark Eversley is one of the front runners for the Hornets open front office position. Their president of basketball operation, Mitch Kupchak, is leaving that team. And uh, Mark Eversley is, is one of the names mentioned in that. Per the, the exact quote is this. League sources have mentioned Philadelphia 76ers GM Elton Brand, Chicago Bulls general manager Mark Eversley, and New Orleans Pelicans general manager uh, Tarjan Logden as the three leading candidates for the top position with the Hornets. Eversley uh, interviewed for the same position in 2018 while he was with the Philadelphia 76ers. Then the previous ownership group for the Hornets opted to hire Kupchak. So it seems like this is kind of, in a lot of ways, the Charlotte Hornets circling back to a candidate that they had interviewed before but decided to go in a different direction. Now, uh, Mark Eversley eventually joined the Chicago Bulls ahead of the 2020 season with uh, a, our president, our current president of basketball operations, Arturis Karnasova, and he's helped run that team since then reshaking that uh, roster up initially after some, you know, some success with bringing in the lines of ball, DeMar DeRozan. And now this roster is kind of set stagnant. Now, in no way am I saying or blaming the situation that the Chicago Bulls roster is currently in on Mark Eversley solely, but I do think that Mark Eversley leaving and the Bulls being uh, being kind of forced to kind of shake up that front office could bring a new set of eyes um, to the team overall that could be drastically needed to kind of have a fresh view on where this team is going. And so I know that, you know, AK is kind of the front uh, man for the front office. He talks about everything. Mark Eversley doesn't really like talking uh, talking to to press. Pro reports, AK really doesn't like talking to press either, and we'll get, in, we'll get into that in a second. But I do think that this could be the shakeup that the Bulls needed, and every once in a while that fr- a franchise needs it. Like we talked about um, earlier in the season when the Zach Levine trade request came out that it kind of would have forced this hand, uh, the, the hand of the front office kind of, do some things different in a time where they uh, they would have kept the team the same. Now, that ended up not coming about just because of, you know, Zach Levine's trade value, injuries, things like that. But this, I kind of look at in the same light. This could be a needed shakeup to just kind of change some things with the Bulls. Now, I'm going to have, a, this is complete speculation, and for those that are also subscribed to Locked on Bulls, me and Pat had a similar conversation, but I'm going to go a little bit more in depth here. And one, if Mark Eversley does move on, to the Charlotte Hornets, which then leaves a GM spot open for the Chicago Bulls. And I know not everybody's going to agree with this. I can't wait to see how you guys feel about this. But one candidate I would love to see 
move into the front office, become the new uh, the new general manager under Arturis Karnasova is actually our current head coach, Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, who, um, you know, I have my, my issues with him as a head coach. You guys know, if you guys have been subscribers to the channel for a long time, I am not a Billy Donovan believer as far as coaching. I think Billy Donovan isn't a terrible coach, as some people try to make him out, but I don't think he's the he's a good head coach for this team either. But one thing that Billy Donovan does have and does offer when you look at it is that he does have a good eye for talent. Now, as a coach, he doesn't use that talent early, doesn't, but he knows that young talent. And many of you guys always talk about Billy Donovan's better in college, better in college, better in college. And I get where that knock on him comes from. But part of the GM's job is to be, is to kind of control the scouting department. Now, most teams have a head of the scouting department. Some, uh, some teams, the general manager kind of is the de facto head, and he has head scouts that work under him, but he's kind of the head of the scouting department. And then also player relationships. Again, I know my boy Winton is going to like me saying this, but players seem to like Billy Donovan. Outside of Zach Levine, it seems like, and even with Zach, still respectful of Billy Donovan. We've heard that, you know, even when Zach Levine and Billy Donovan split happened, that most of the players actually sided with Billy Donovan in that case. And I think that player relationships is another good thing. A good eye for young talent and being the head of the scouting department. And the fact of the matter is this, Billy Donovan is way better at talking to the media than what Arturis Karnasova is. And like I said, especially if you kind of know on the back end, uh, AK does not like talking to media. And so you put Billy Donovan in a position where I think most of his skills, the, the strengths that Billy Donovan does have, could be highlighted with uh, with him moving into a front office role. We already know as well, the Reinsdorfs love Billy Donovan. That could be a knock on that actually happened. Do we want a mouthpiece for the Reinsdorfs in the front office? That's a problem, right? That could be a problem. But I do think that, you know, in the natural progression of things, and we're seeing more and more across the NBA that coaches move into front office roles. And, you know, sometimes it's looked at as a promotion. Sometimes it's looked at as like, well, we don't want to fire you. We don't want to pay you to go away. So we're going to move you up to the GM role, pay you the rest of your contract. We'll get a new head coach in there. Whatever way that you look at it, I think that it could, it could bode well for the Chicago Bulls. Now, they would have to get the right head coach. You guys know how I feel about it. I don't want to see any other big names being the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. I want to see them doing an extensive search to find the next great head coach. And before anybody says, well, that's what they tried to do with Fred Hoiberg, just because a different front office tried it before and it failed, it doesn't mean that you can't still find success in doing that. Look at Eric Spoelstra. Nobody knew the name of Eric Spoelstra and who he was before taking over that. Look at Dangold over with the OKC Thunder, a damn good head coach who kind of worked himself up uh, along those lines. And of course, I don't know if anybody, I know people are going to say, well, Chris Fleming can come on as head coach. I don't really, I'm kind of off the Chris Fleming bandwagon. I know a lot of people look at that nine-game stretch for the Bulls, even though he only coached half of it, and Billy Donovan was still the one coming up with game plans. Chris Fleming was better at in-game adjustments, I give it that. So, But I really look at that and say that this could be a, a shakeup that the Bulls front office needs without changing a whole hell of a lot, right? As far as like just kind of better, one thing that we that we have seen and, and talked about is the Bulls, haven't really drafted players that have developed. Now, they still have potential to develop, absolutely, but maybe you can find more diamonds in the rough that can contribute now if Billy Donovan was kind of that GM. So in no ways am I saying this is perfect. In no ways am I saying if the Bulls don't do this, they're failing. I'm just trying to add a different perspective on what could happen 
if Eversley does end up leaving as the GM to go to the Charlotte Hornets to be their president of basketball operations. But let me know what you guys think on that. Do you think I'm crazy cooking up this scenario and idea? Uh, like I said, it, Billy Donovan kind of has that, especially with the way that he carries himself. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. He'd be better than Gar Foreman being the GM for, for sure, I, I would think. But let me know what you guys think on all that down below. Now, we got a little bit of news. This always happens after the trade deadline. We get details of what could have been. And so we got details yesterday that the 76ers actually believed that they were close to a deal being finalized to acquire Andre Drummond from the Chicago Bulls. Now, I said this. The 76ers believe they had a trade done to acquire Bulls center Andre Drummond before Chicago pulled out of talks uh, hours before the trade deadline. League sources told Hoopsype the Bulls wanted three second-round picks for Drummond. League sources said for context, the Knicks acquired three second-round picks um, in the in the three-team trade for Royce Neal. It's unclear whether or not Philly was willing to meet the asking price, but it sure sounds like they were. So, uh, uh, you know, and I know we talked a little bit about this over on Locked on Bulls as well. Um, ultimately, I think it came down to a couple of things. You know, if the, even the 76ers were willing to offer the three second-round picks, AK, who's talked about competitiveness or whatever, if, if they pulled out of that deal at the last minute, maybe they felt like it was a better chance than taking the three second-round picks and going ahead and rocking out with Andre Drummond, you know, Billy Donovan using the Twin Tower lineup, which I got some interesting statistics on it on a voicemail later, uh, using that Twin Towers lineup. Maybe they felt like just for the competitive nature of the team, getting Kobe White, Io, the young players, some uh, some postseason play experience, playing is what I'll call that, right? Because <laughs> we don't know if they're going to make it into the playoffs. Maybe they felt that that was more important than what they could have gotten out of three second round picks. Now, my personal opinion on it is, uh, it seems like AK has done pretty damn good with second-round picks when he's actually taking them. And uh, Julian Phillips, who has a lot of potential, already changed that shot. We haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of them. Look at what Isles round out and turned into. But, I, I, you know, it's of two minds, right? If the Bulls plan this offseason to go full bore into still trying to keep this team competitive, then and you maybe have hopes that you're going to keep Andre Drummond, maybe. But there is that serious risk of losing Andre Drummond for nothing, especially if you're extending DeMar DeRozan and giving him a new contract, re-signing Patrick Williams, Unless you do move Zach and don't take back enough uh, as much salary or move off Lonzo Ball's contract or maybe something, a, a, a trade for Vooch that nobody sees where you're not taking a lot back, which I doubt that's going to happen. Um, maybe you feel like you can keep Andre Drummond and then you can keep rocking out that way. Maybe. I'm just, I, I, again, it would, it's hard for me to kind of feel bad about what could have been. It, it didn't happen. It kind of is what it is. And that's just the way I view it. But let me know what you guys think down below on that. Do you think the Bulls missed a keen opportunity to get some draft assets back for Andre Drummond, considering that it seems like the 76ers were willing to trade for him? Maybe if it wasn't those three second-round picks, but it sounded like they were going to be willing to give up some picks for that. Let me know what you guys think on that down below. But with that said, it's Saturday, so you know what that means. It's mailbag day. Let's go ahead and get into these voicemails for today. This first one, this one's from Big O. What's going on, brother? Hey, this is Big O again, brother. Calling in, uh, just want to voice my opinion, my two cents. I know there's a lot of people here calling in, uh, talking about, you know, the lack of move uh, that AK and Mark Elsley done at the trade deadline. Uh, kind of like what you and Pat on this. It didn't surprise me um, that they didn't do anything. Um, I, I kind of, I'm kind of like sour, like when it comes to AK and Mark Elsley and, and, and actually improving the roster. Partially they fall, partially, you know, it's just where, where the roster stands. But it's kind of like I'm just waiting on them to surprise me at this point. You know, so I'm, I'm more like glass half, half full, half empty, half you want to look at it. But I noticed that, you know, one of the things they said, and I hear people calling it standards, that it wasn't 
interview and I heard AK say that. And my man, I'm thinking like, dude, uh, looking at your asset, looking at your roster, uh, and the players' ages and everything, you know, putting everything in a pot, there's no trade out there that you will ever get that'll make you better. In my mind, now, like I like I said before, surprise me. If, he, if 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 AK go out there and make a splash, you know, hey, I'll be the first to say I didn't see that coming. But at the same time, I, I can't see you winning no Zach Levine trade. I can't see you winning getting much back for Demar or Boots. You'll probably get, uh, you know, everything you want back from AC or close to it. But will it make you a better team right away? No, it won't. You know what I'm saying? So, in my mind, it's not. Like, whether you trade, decide to move pieces now, in the summer, next year, in 2028, the, the, the value is going to continue to go down for wherever you move and at some point. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just how I'm looking at it. So, I don't, you know, I mean, with AK saying that, it's kind of like, but duh, you know what I'm saying? It, you know, we hope that you move moving pieces around for other reasons outside of trying to win the train. You know what I mean? You want to get this most you can back, but... You know, it kind of is what it is with that. I just can't. Uh, so, I mean, I, I hear a lot of fans calling in talking about it, and it's like, well, that's why they didn't do it. Well, it don't matter because they'll never get nothing. Like, it's not – if the Bulls make a splash, it'll have to be with, with moving contracts out the way and making a, a splash sign. Now, I can see something happening like that. Or maybe they go out to free agency and make a big signing. But as far as the trade, there's, there's nothing they can trade that'll get them, like, uh, a superstar back. It's just it, it's not happening. That's my take on that, brother. Uh, I'll catch you on the next. Soured on AK improving this roster. Um, I mean, here's the thing, right? Looking at what the Bulls gave up recently, and I, and I get it with fans, and you know, this is something I've thought about. The Bulls gave up three first-round picks, and they gave up several young players to build this core and bringing in uh, Vooch, Lonzo Ball, uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan, right? They gave up picks to bring those players in, and this team may be in that situation to where um, – any team that's calling up, if a team wanted Zach Levine, considering his trade value was low, maybe the Bulls would have had to give up, maybe a heavily protected first or whatever to get a, a even more protected first back or something like that. And I can understand this front office being in a position to where they look at it and say, we gave up so much to build this team and it all came crumbling down. We don't want to give up any other assets to, to do that. And I can't, I can't knock that. And that's where it seems like this front office is in. I have no doubts that they could have pulled off trades if they just wanted to sell everybody off, but they probably would have had to give up something, maybe even a, a young piece that they wanted to or, or, or at, a, at a cheaper value. So because of that, you know, it sits where it sits. Like I said before, the disappointment with this trade deadline, even if people admit it or realize it or not, isn't just because of this trade deadline. It's because of the culmination of events and, and decisions that have led us to this place. So now we're looking at hoping that, th that we're going to add some clarity at this year's trade deadline. It's the, it's the years of inactivity to a degree, right? Since you initially built this team and, and brought this version of the team together, it's been slow motion. It's been marginal moves in offseason, no trades by the trade deadline, and then buyout candidates that uh, Pat Bev did help us, but a Tristan Thompson really didn't. So, you know, I can understand it from the non-fan perspective of like, hey, of course, we just want to ask fans to say, let's go out and make this team better. But when you look at what the market is and what you could have to give up to make a marginal improvement, it may not be worth it, especially if you're giving up a first-round pick. Now, you have to draft better to make it worth it. If you're going to keep drafting questionably, then it doesn't really matter, right? But I think that that's the thing that this team's looking at and saying, we don't want to give up assets because we gave up so many firsts and so many young players, some of those young players that have gone on to actually be solid pieces, right? You look at 
Daniel Gafford and what he's turned into. You look at uh, Laurie Marketing and what he's turned into. They're not great players by any stretch of the imagination, but they really did develop. Now, Laurie wanted to go. You know, I, I have my thoughts on that. Chris Dunn ended up turning into an all right NBA player right now with the Utah Jazz as well. But the Bulls gave up a lot. Now, some of that they gave up didn't turn into shit, right? Chandler Hutchinson's out, out of the league at this point, right? So, you know, they didn't really give up much in that case. But this Bulls team did give up a lot of young players and assets to build this team. And now it may be time to do what AK originally said. Build organically through the draft, develop our young pieces, and let's see where the chips fall. But all right, a great voicemail from Big O there. Let's get into this next one. This one's from Reginald. Hey, hey. This is Reginald from Columbus, Georgia. Uh, just like I said, that was a solid win by the Bulls over the Hawks last night. And one of the key reasons for that win was Iota Sumo. Now, he's probably uh, going to evolve to one of the better two guards, well, two-way two guards in the league. But my question to you is, with the start of next year, should Io be the starter over Zach Levine? I know you don't want to... Uh, diminishes trade value or anything like that and maybe they move that to the three if tomorrow doesn't resign or the sign of trade but if things stay the way they are and the board resign tomorrow and they let Drummond walk do you think it would be a good idea to have a bench of Caruso, Zach, Lonzo Ball you know hopefully Tory Craig resign and like Sanogo with Julian Phillips coming in to Julian Phillips, David Terry and Javon Carter coming in to do some you know, key role player minute. And also, uh, what's your opinion on the draft? I mean, I know you say that a drafting a center would be a good idea, which I agree. But do you think they should trade back in the draft, you know, and pick up an extra second round? Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill to just to uh just to build up their younger players like i know they need them but they also need a you know a really good facilitating high IQ point guard or high IQ power forward because i honestly think uh they need more than what they currently have i want them to keep building up that young core for the eventuality of certain guys moving on like boots like craig but uh what's your opinion on that thanks should Io be the starter over Zach Levine next season? I have to tell you this. 
his play is making a case. And the chemistry, um, the, the fact that Io and, and, and Kobe White, kind of their, their skill sets fit really good together as far as Io being better defensively, but no slouch offensively this season. Kobe White being great offensively, but still giving that effort on the defensive side of the ball and turning into a decent on-ball defender and a weak side defender. Those things are, like, there's some synergy there. But in the reality of it, I don't think that they're going to bench Zach Levine. Now, I could be wrong. If I am wrong, cool. Shout out to this coaching staff, the front office, for doing something different. But I do think that Zach Levine, if he's fully healthy, he's going to be your starter. That's just what I think. And you're, they're going to try to make it work and figure it out. Maybe they don't even get to a point of that happening. And I think, you know, there's a there's a conversation to be made about Io being a starter. But maybe, like, sometimes players are just better off the bench. But I've learned to not doubt or put a cap on any player. So, Maybe Io can show that the way that he's continued to develop, listen, you you can make worse conversations, right? I just don't think that if Zach's fully healthy, considering that the Bulls would probably be trying to get his trade value up and things like that, I just don't know if that happens. But, hey, where do things have happened? Now, as far as your second point, the Bulls trading back. Trading back in the NBA isn't like trading back in the NFL, mainly because there's only two rounds. The NFL has seven rounds, so that's a lot different of a, of a, a perspective of trading back. You just don't get that. The times where you see a, a team trading up in the NBA draft, it's because they just absolutely want to get somebody. It's usually some pick swaps or maybe, you know, yeah, some seconds could be involved in that. But I just don't know in this draft, which is a weaker draft, that that teams look at a talent and say it's worth giving up a future asset to trade up when kind of everybody in this draft is all bunched in there the same. So a team would have to evaluate a talent as a must-need, a player that they just do not want to risk not getting in this draft to really kind of trade up. So I don't know. Like if it presents itself, if a team calls the Chicago Bulls and says, hey, we would love to uh, you know, trade up, get your pick, we'll give you a second uh, to do that in our, our first-round pick, you'll move down a couple of picks. I'm not against that. It depends on who the Bulls have evaluated on their board. Um, if, they, if the player that they want is still going to be available, if they go lower, those type of things present itself too. So you know, I, I think it's situational. I'm not saying that you can't happen. Uh, or that it shouldn't happen. I think it just that perfect situation would have to present itself for that to happen with the Bulls. But all right, thanks for that voicemail, Reginald. Let's get into this next one. This one's from T'Challa. T'Challa again. And now y'all about to turn me into T'Challa the madman with all these trades that y'all say bringing up. Oh, the New York Knicks just did this and they just did that. The New York Knicks is the fucking cowboys of the NBA. The reason why they made those picks and those trades or whatever I mean, it's because their team actually have a future. The only future in that is keep going to the playoffs for right now and years to come and get their ass put out the playoffs. That's their future. They have some type of future so they can keep making money and, and generating revenue and all that stuff. All the teams that actually made big trades or moderate trades or things like that, they have a future. Our team with our current core of Damar, Sack, and Booch, we don't have a fucking future. So with us coming to realization that that's not going to pan out with the Lonzo thing, he, he's down. This is over with for his fucking career, it looks like. So those teams have a fucking future. So they had to make those trades. We obviously see that we have a fucking play-in team. Oh, we add one piece or two pieces that, that's minor pieces, what the fuck we going to go with them pieces? We ain't going no goddamn well with them pieces. We are a play-in team and potentially, potentially, uh, uh, nope, can't even say 60. No, that shit is locked up from one through six. We ain't making that shit. 
with this fucking team, that that would be a hell of a surprise if we were to. The thing is, we and if we did make six, we still, that we wouldn't be a legitimate six. The thing is, it's all about our fucking future. The team that made trades actually has some type of future. We don't have no future right now. The only future we have is the young guys, and we have to build around them next season. When Zach come back fully healthy, and we'll be able to actually trade his ass. And then we got to finally uh, sign DeMar to a fucking a contract so we can have leverage over him, and then trade his ass. And then finally find something to, to trade boots for some motherfucking picks. We need picks like OKC when they got all the motherfucking picks, and then look what they did eventually. You see what I'm saying? We need picks to build around our young guys, and we need legitimately stars and shit like that. That's what we fucking need. And then we can start aiming big and looking big and be mad about lost games. I'm not mad about nothing when we lose because it's all about the player development and seeing how, what, what we have for the future. This season is trash. It's nothing. It ain't nothing happening this year. Y'all is fucking lost. Everybody. The whole Bulls fan base is lost. The New York Knicks is the fucking Cowboys of the NBA. They would never win probably in our lifetime. And when they do win, that shit probably going to be 20, 30 years down the line. Y'all then turn T'Challa up. But here's what I'm going to say on T'Challa's point. You said the Knicks have a future. The Bulls don't have a future. Well, the Knicks have a future because they made a future by being aggressive and continuing to add to the team. We'll talk about their prospect of failing and being the Dallas Cowboys because I think, listen, where the Knicks are right now, there will be a lot of Bulls fans at least say let's have that base, right? The New York Knicks, for example, were 37 and 45 in 2021. The Bulls in that same season were 46 and 36. The Bulls have been on a steady decline since then, and the Knicks have been on a steady rise. Last year, 47 wins going 47 and 35. This year, on pace for over 50 win seasons. I get it. We can talk about that. That's that's minutia, right? To talk about whether the Dallas Cowboys are going to get eliminated, which there's definitely a possibility of that. But the fact is, is they put themselves in a position to keep improving their team. It didn't just happen through osmosis that they just all of a sudden had this future. The New York Knicks, Three years ago, four years ago, were exact same place basically that the Chicago Bulls were. And then, like I said, in 2021, had a worse record. Again, the, the, the lack of activity from this front office is why the Bulls, quote unquote, don't have a future, according to you. But then again, how can you say the Bulls don't have a future and then say that it, it's about building up the young players for the future? The Bulls do have a future. The future is what you make it in the NBA. And that is why, you know, blindly just going drinking the AK Kool-Aid isn't going to actually improve the team. Yes, there are reasons why the team, per the first voicemail, why they don't make certain moves and things like that. But the reason why the Bulls don't have a future is because of a series of bad deals, injuries, and lack of movement. And so that is one thing when you look at the Knicks, they are aggressive in continually improving that team. And that's all you can ask for from a front office is to be in a situation where you're continually improving your team and trying to, to mix things up while keeping your core. Keep in mind, outside of the R.J. Barrett trade, the New York Knicks have really, for the most part, kept their core together for years. And then they took advantage of that core when they realized it's just not working. The di difference with the Chicago Bulls are we had an aging core that clearly showed it wasn't working together and we're still showing loyalty to that core and an inability to move on. Very big difference there, T'Challa. I understand the point that you're getting at, especially with some fans thinking like, let's just make a trade and make a trade. But overall, to say that the Bulls don't have a future and the New York, the New York Knicks do is because they made the most out of their situation and played it relatively smartly and being aggressive. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Christopher. Yeah, what up, Hayes? It's Mr. Christopher here. Um, man, 26 and 29, 
going into the All-Star break, definitely, you know, feeling encouraged, especially after the start that we had to the season, 5-14 and 14 start. Um, you know, I, I, we played the Cleveland game and um, obviously, you know, lost at the end. You know, it reminds me of a lot of these games, uh, like the Magic game, uh, the Suns game. Uh, you know, th- those are the ones that, that come to mind immediately. And, you know, apart from roster construction, um, you know, and getting rid of Billy Donaldson, which ain't going to never happen. Um, I think that the one thing going into the second half of the season that we need to, you know, figure out that is actually fixable is coming up with the timely rebound. You know, too many times during these games, even if we are rebounding the team throughout the majority of the game, you know, down the stretch of the game when it's time to close it out, somehow, some way, we are not coming up with the timely rebound. And these teams are getting second, third, even sometimes four, four chances to go ahead and score. And this is down in crunch time. I mean, that's an absolute killer, you know. And it sucks because, you know, Cleveland is playing extremely well, and we're, and we're toe-to-toe with them. We're toe-to-toe with the Suns when they were playing extremely well. Like, we're in these games. We're leading most of the game, but we're not closing it out because down the stretch of the game, we're not coming up with a timely rebound, and I feel like that's something that is actually fixable. Anyway, man, love the channel. Let me know your thoughts. Peace. The Bulls coming up with timely rebounds, that's a really big uh key point there right we can look at the rebounding numbers but you're right there are some teams especially down the stretch or sometimes down the stretch where the bulls just aren't getting the 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 big time rebounds they aren't getting the momentum changing plays they make that throughout the game right but sometimes in crunch time but like i've said before it comes down to you have to learn in those minutes how to do that as a team and it is roster construction as you alluded to as well but it's also mentality this bulls team is still a team that you have a player in kobe white who is not used to being this key part of the Chicago Bulls offense, right? You have Ayo Desumu still learning and growing over that. You have Vooch, who is on a decline, right? Andre Drummond, who doesn't play a whole hell of a lot of minutes, right? And then we're playing small on top of that. So there are a lot of a lot of factors into why the Bulls don't get those 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 timely rebounds. But you're absolutely right. It does hurt the Bulls, especially with as many clutch games that clutch time games that we play that we end up falling in because we just aren't getting the timely plays overall, whether that's the timely defensive stops, whether it's the timely rebounds, whether it's the timely shots ourselves, we're not getting those. And it ends up in the Chicago Bulls losing a lot of games. Great point there from Christopher. Let's get into the last voicemail for today. This one's from No Sage. Tio Hayes, No Sage here with some stage quick thoughts on the All-Star break. Obviously, that tough, heartbreaking loss against um, that team last night was not the greatest feeling in the end. But it was a, it was a, it was a nice game. I actually heard <laughs> the whole uh, Cleveland game on the radio because I had to work at that time. But Chuck and Bill were constantly um, singing Kobe's praises, like calling them All Star and Hall of Famer and Kobe for President, like all this type of. Uh, chance and I, I can't I can't argue with it. But um I'm glad he finally got to take the last shot. I think the moment before that that he threw the turnover to Vooch, it sort of made me think I'm glad he drove in. I wish he took a two pointer, but also made me think there's been these situations in these last clutch games, last minute shots where Damar was not able to take a, a strong two pointer, even if he could have drawn contact, or drawn a foul, or drawn a two pointer, and sometimes the three pointer wasn't necessary. So anyway, it just kinda like scratched in my head where 
they don't necessarily think about a two-pointer. They just try to make it organically happen. But at least now that Iowa is also a three-point threat, at least him or Kobe can try to take the last second shots instead of uh, DeMar and Bush if it is a three-pointer. But I digress. Um, one of your thoughts about the Twin Towers, see how that's working, because obviously Andre has been a beast with all these rebounds. And just wondering if, um, yeah, man, if you think there's any uh, glimmer of light with Iowa and Kobe taking the last shot, um, if it needs to be a three-pointer. First of all, No Sage tells a story like Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption. Just go back and look at the cadence, the way that he talks. It's the same way that Morgan Freeman talks when he's telling the story in Shawshank Redemption. It's like once I heard that in my brain, I can't, I can't unsee it now. But as far as Kobe and Io taking the last second shots, if it's a three pointer, I think it all comes down to situational, right? Every play has several branches to it, and the the play that we end up seeing the result of where the shot ends up going is one of probably about four to five branches, maybe as many as ten depending on how good your coach is drawing up that play. So with Billy Donovan, let's say it's about three to four. And so, yeah, you do want to run those options for those guys, especially with the way they're hitting three-point shots. But I think overall, it's trusting your players, whether it's a two, whether it's a three-pointer made. I think you want to trust your players that have gotten you there, the ones that are ride, ride that high hand, the ones that have been playing well sustainably over the game. You want to get those guys the ball when you can, for sure. Now, as far as the Twin Tower lineup, I want to talk a little bit about that. Because I think everybody kind of looks at this Twin Tower lineup like it's been this key thing that's just led to such great basketball for the Chicago Bulls, and the numbers just don't support it. It is. It's solid, right? I'm not saying it's not a lineup that you can't go to, but let's look at it. Over the five games where we've seen that lineup used the most, Cleveland, Atlanta, Orlando, Memphis, and, and the Minnesota game, those are the games that we've seen the lineups used the most. They've had a, a negative ra- uh, net rating of negative four, negative three, Negative four again, negative three again, and then the one game they had a positive net rating was against the Memphis Grizzlies, which we all know that team was is struggling on the front line. They had a positive plus uh, uh, plus minus of plus 18. Then when you look at net ratings, that's the overall how much more that the other team is scoring versus what you're scoring in that stretch. The, the, that lineup, the lineups with Andre Drummond and Nikola Vooch in it have had net ratings overall of negative 10 and a half, negative 60, negative 51.8, Plus 35, plus 5, guess what game that is? The Memphis game, and negative 6.2. The fact of the matter is, and this I'm not blaming it on just this lineup, but the lineup of the Twin Towers lineup isn't as majestic as what some fans make it out to be. Now, that could come down to roster construction. That could come down to finding the right mix of players around Andre Drummond and Nikola Vucevic that can kind of make it work a little bit, a little bit better. But when it comes down to it, that lineup outside of getting more rebounds and having a better rebounding rate, has not resulted in the Bulls outscoring or outplaying teams in the minutes that they're on the court together. It just hasn't. Again, so so when you have net negative net ratings of negative 51 and negative 60, that's just not good. And then the one game where you have a positive net rating is positive 35 against the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I just, I, again, I'm not as enamored with that Twin Tower lineup via the results that we've gotten so far. But, it can't change with again. Maybe maybe Kobe White and Io hit better, hit more shots. Maybe when Patrick Williams comes back, maybe him play, having him play at the three or even Torrey Craig at the three with those guys can make things factor in a little bit better. But overall, it just hasn't been this hugely positive thing that I think a lot of Bulls fans are making it out to be. Even in the Minnesota game, the game where it looked the best at or just by the, the eye test, it still resulted in the Bulls giving up more points than what they scored in that time. So again, let me know what you guys think of hearing those numbers down below. But that's my time for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, 
BullCentralPod.gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.